Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, the podcast that brings you practical advice, lessons, and stories from senior leaders and thought leaders from around the world. The Strategy and Leadership Podcast is brought to you by SME Strategy, working with organizations around the world to create and implement their strategic plans. To learn more, visit smestrategy.net. And now, your host, Anthony Taylor. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, folks and people to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My name is Anthony Taylor. I'm the managing partner at SME Strategy. We facilitate strategic planning sessions in person and remotely. And today I'm interviewing a remote expert in Sharon Koifman. Sharon, how's it going today? A pleasure, Anthony. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, brother, I'm excited to be able to chat with you. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you, about your company, Distant Job. You're the president of Distant Job. Tell people about what you do and what keeps you excited on a day-to-day basis. Well, I've been running companies for my computer for about 20 years. But I mean, running companies, I don't mean some funny affiliate program or multi-level, like a real tangible companies with employees and products, um, the employees work all over the world. And in the past 12 years, I started the first remote recruitment agency where we specialize in finding the best and the smartest people across the world. And we solicited them from established companies and enticed them with a permanent remote job. It used to be just remote job, but now we need to talk about a real permanent remote job. And those people are career driven, full-time focused individuals the one I integrate is part of the company's processes. I'm also bestseller writer, bestseller at least by Amazon standards. It's called the book is called Surviving Remote Work. And I am the CEO of a media company called Think Remote, which is all about remote work and remote management. Phew. I think I'm done with that. Yes, you, you got it. Perfect. So tell me, I mean, I imagine like, you know, through the world of COVID and, and dealing with, you know, there's a lot of people who talk about offshoring work. What would be the difference between offshoring and then like really like developing people to be successful remotely, like being part of a team? Is there any difference? Is it basically the same? Well, so offshoring usually it after the oil rigs, offshoring really meant anybody that is working for countries where the cost of living is much lower overseas, but we don't consider Western Europe part of the offshoring aspect. So India is the first uh, country who really specialize in offshore solution by providing outsourcing companies. But uh, And after that, with companies like Upwork, you have freelancers and people working from all over the world. Those are all offshoring solutions. My solution is an also, also somewhat offshore solution, but I believe that when you work with an international individual, whether they do work in countries where the cost of living is lower or whether you work in Australia or Europe or whatever, working with full-time career-driven focused individuals is the, is the big change. I call the other categories, the consultants, the freelancers, the contractors, all this, in, I call them the non-committals, right? They have a place, people need smart freelancers. I don't wanna dismiss them, but to make a real successful relationship with an employee that works from home, whether 10 minutes away from you or the other side of the world, you want to get the real career-driven, full-time focused people. Mm-hmm. And I really like, you know, the key word there is developing a successful relationship with people that work from home. It's not just, you know, hey, we have we have workers and there's, you know, 
uh, hiring workers to solve a problem and to like fill the team, but actually making them like an integrated part of the workforce. And one of the reasons I'm also really excited to chat is because, you know, people are dealing with this like talent shortage. And I think in the past, or sometimes it's very easy as a manager to get really stuck in, hey, I need to hire somebody in my own geography to be able to help me with this. And I think the adoption of remote work and developing that is important. So I guess my question is, as managers and leaders look to develop successful relationships with people working from home, what do they need to consider both in the hiring process and then in the leadership process? So I'll let you take that question wherever you want to go. So, so first of all, in terms of relationship, just to point to the last thing you said, you know, there's a, a great book and now a video book of, of a trillion dollar coach, which talks about uh, Bill Campbell, right? And that guy changed the mind of many CEO, Silicon Valley CEOs by understanding that the investment is in people more than anything else, right? You got to invest in people. And when you are thinking with that remote person, when you're thinking with that offshore person, your first thing that should come to mind even more is that relationship that you have built with that person. You are investing in that individual and that's how you actually generate so much more productivity because the individual on the other side feels that when he or she are investing in your company, they really are investing in themselves. Just that mental state. I spent a chapter in my book talking about the words, about the language that you use, right? Because just calling somebody an outsource staff or a freelancer or a contractor, you're already distancing, distancing the person. So as a manager that working with these individuals, you got to think, how do I replicate the successful things in the office? Because office has a lot of bad habits also, but how do I replicate the successful strategies in the office and making sure that that re remote person is fully integrated into those processes? So that's another thing I think is really cool, like segueing from hey, the language that you use. And I think language is so powerful, no matter what kind of business you're in, for profit or not for profit, but how you classify those people, because there's some that are working from home, there's some that aren't, and you don't want to create a divide. So really make that integrated. And I think another cool thing I took away was replicating the successful things. So being mindful that there is a different environment, there is a different expectation. So if a manager is looking at replicating those successful things, what do they need to consider? What do they need to look out for? What do they need to be aware of as they start trying to put that in place? First of all, they need to be conscious about what is it that they lack in an office environment, right? The, the challenge is that the office environment till now has not necessarily been successful to majority of companies. I mean, the, the statistics show that an average worker in an eight-hour shift produces about two hours and 53 minutes of work. Means all the distractions, all the meetings, all everything that that you experiencing on a daily basis in an office environment, it's all... Most of it is related to distraction. Most of it is related to finished projects in the middle. Those things, preferably, should be eliminated in an office environment. You can fix this in an office environment. But the good news is that when you go remote, it's, you have an opportunity to, to start fresh, to start clean, right? Being aware the distractions are your biggest enemy of, of productivity. Suddenly, 
in, in, a, in a cubicle type office, which is, by the way, in my opinion, the, the biggest sin in, in a war, in working environment, the cubicles, right? But now you don't need to put people in cubicles. Don't try to mimic a cubicle experience. It takes a person 20 minutes to get back to focus every time that you distract them, right? So, so here you, you can create systems having people message you when they're done a specific task, having um, a certain system using your project management software. We use Basecamp in our, where people literally update us whenever, update us what they're planning to do, a la Agile, but Agile without those annoying meetings that distracting people on a daily basis. Here, just update me when you're ready at your base. And make me not want to make me not want to bug you, right? And creating an environment like that, you eliminate a lot of the distraction. So, so this is so the first issue before we talk about replicating the good stuff, the distracting stuff is what you need to work on by reducing. Now, when when you're going remote, the 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 positive stuff, the culture, the processes that that make you the multi-million dollars, you need to figure out how to replicate this with technologies, right? Sometimes culture remotely doesn't doesn't fit anymore, but try to find, I try to think outside the box, how to bring it as close as possible. Clearly creating culture is one of the bigger challenges with remote, but you can, you can do it all. Just invest invest in the right technology to mimic some of those experiences. Yeah, I get that. So the, the culture with process and then it's like tech enabled people development kind of thing is what I heard out of that. Like one of the things we just did is is we did like a like a learning, a casual learning time. So it's interesting that some of the cons of working in person, those like distraction time is actually you need to add some of that in in the virtual world. Because one of the things I wanted to ask you about was you know, when you're in this virtual world, back to back to back Zoom meetings, like you and I got on this call and you you and I probably had a call like just before this, you know, how do you, uh, in the remote work, how do you balance uh, burnout so that people aren't running themselves like 110% back to back to back? Any thoughts on that? Hey, sorry to interrupt. It's Anthony here again. I just wanted to let you know if you're enjoying today's episode, I'd love it if you could give us a review and a comment to let us know where you're listening from. It means a lot to us. It helps us with the algorithm. It also helps us get into the hands of more people so that we can keep bringing great guests onto the show. So please do that. Also, if you or your team are planning a strategic planning offsite coming up, please reach out to us. We'd be happy to see if we're a fit to facilitate, to support you and your team getting on the same page and getting clear about where you want to go. So you can visit smestrategy.net or click the link in the description. We'd appreciate both of those things. Now get us back to the episode. So uh, one of the biggest changes, in my opinion, most of this, a great remote, a great manager will become a great remote manager. I think, like I said, your job is to using appropriate technology to replicate all the good stuff that the company has to offer. The companies have a lot of good stuff to offer. You know, the, the, the cynic, some of my colleagues are saying everything in the office is bad. Not everything in the office is bad. There's plenty of people that build beautiful companies replicated, right? The big difference, the big leap is mental health. It is the focus about, like you said, burnout. It is a focus about motivation. It is a focus about depression. And the way that you fix that means that the managers and the bosses need to be a little bit more in touch with the soft skills. They need to be more intimate, right? They need to, in meetings, have fun conversations, 
I, again, this is this is advice that Bill Campbell a long time ago was giving to people in an office environment. Talk to me about your weekend. Talk to me about the vacation. But now those skills are far more important because the only way that you get to see whether your your employee is burning out or not feeling well, not motivated is having real intimate conversations about their lives, about their well-being. You get all this sense from, from, from just awesome conversation about your kids, about your dogs, about your puppy, about, uh, about what you do for fun, uh, what's your favorite food. Those discussions will actually lead you, as long as you have somewhat of, somewhat of a good intuition for management, will lead you to understand whether your employee is exhausted or motivated. Yeah. So it goes back to the, you know, being a good manager, whether that's in person or virtual, you need to take the time to build that relationship, to put those pieces in place to support their success. And, and, and of course, like supporting the individual's health and then being interested in that is equally critical. It's really a big message of mine that people that have been great managers in the physical world will not have a hard time to translating it to uh, to virtual with the proper technologies. But the COVID and the remote world has introduced a lot of people that introduced us to the reality. There's just simply a lot of bad managers out there. Sorry, I'm opening a big can of warm here. I hope I'm not offending some of your listeners, but there's a lot of shitty managers out there. They've been counting people when they're coming in and when they're leaving and how much they're typing on the keyboard. And that shit does not work anymore in the remote environment. You need to do better. Yeah, I agree with that. And I've made a TikTok recently, uh, ironically, about that. And it's interesting how there's like the, <laughs> the push-pull. So there's the what it's doing to expose bad managers, but it's also having an impact on employees in terms of what they're willing to accept. And I think it's interesting that, you know, like as an employee, you know, if you're open to remote work, you know, there's a hundred, a thousand times more opportunities there are in your backyard. And so it shifted the power away from companies in a lot of ways and into the the hands of the consumer, so to speak, that they can um, now be in greater control of their destiny, which puts even greater pressure on those uh, shitty managers. Uh, thoughts on Absolutely. that? The managers themselves, when they understand their own people, when they understand the company's culture, when they know this is a tough one, this is the toughest one, is to know how to evaluate the work and not just to evaluate how much people are working. That is, a, by the way, one of my biggest obstacles till today, understanding, and it involves so much science and so much KPI and so much strategy to be able to actually evaluate the amount of work, amount of production my employees are producing. And that's what a really amazing manager does. But like I said, I don't think the majority of managers have those skills to really evaluate the quantity of production that comes out of their own employees. Yeah. And I, I think it's an interesting, uh, you know, for managers and leaders reflecting for yourselves and saying, hey, you need skills to be a good manager. Of course, you need the relationship ability, but you also need the communication ability. And like, that's your job. If you lead people, your job is communication. And then also being able to measure your work product. You know that when you have tough employees, sometimes it's behavioral. You're like, oh, I don't like them because they I don't like their behavior. And then there's some that's like, oh, I like them, but they're not performing. So your ability to be able to set 
measurables not only is going to help you as a manager succeed because you need your people to succeed, but it's going to help them succeed because they need to know. So being able to create more stop gaps, more communication in terms of what's expected, what's needed, what's wanted. And that's why like strategic communication and agility is super important. On that note, we facilitate strategic planning sessions if you want to be able to create a structure for that. Uh, also take opportunity to shout out uh, Greg Dent from Keith Roy. I know you listen to every podcast. I just wanted to shout you out as a guest today, but because you know, I know you're working remotely and just thinking about you. Okay, Sharon, back to it. What has the process been? What were some learnings for you as you were growing your company? What were some ahas? What were some things you had to overcome as you were growing the company that was formative for you as, as a president? Well, for me in the, in the 20 years, the, there was clearly a lot of ahas. So here's some of the highlights. There's hundreds of them. But the highlights one is that the, the connection with the employee. And the beginning when I ran my first company, which was a web hosting company, we had about 3,000 clients at the time. And all my people were in India. And I, I literally treated them like, because they were so cheap. Back then, you could have got employees for $300 a month. It was, it was technical, smart people, right? It was, it was, and I literally, look, I can hire 10 people for the price of one. Let them do whatever they want. And one of the first lessons that I learned was that if you don't treat Every one of your employees, like their six-digit salary, not only they're not going to be productive, they're going to cause damage. Just because they're cheap, don't hire tons of them. You need to treat every employee as if they're golden. And this, is, this was my first lesson for my first company. Eventually, I've learned so much about the idea of how to create culture. Now, the, the way that I discovered how to build amazing company culture is that I kind of, I don't know if I changed the definition of culture, but I found that there is, was not an appropriate definition out there that was actually tangible, that, was, that you could practice on. If you, if you Google in, 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 in Wikipedia or Google, what is a company culture? They give you this wordy thing or they say it's the DNA of the company or something of that sort. So that I, I needed, in order to move forward, I needed to create my own definition. And for me, culture means connection. A connection to the, the employees connection to the company, thus creating loyalty, employees connected to each other, thus creating teamwork, and employees connected to the, to the clients. When you have this goal of understanding that you are creating connection, you're not creating the biggest party in the city, which a, a lot of people think that's what culture is. Everybody think culture is people sitting on beanbags, playing ping pong, having happy hours, right? That's the dream of the cool culture. But that might feed the ego of the boss, but it might actually not create that connection that you need to, uh, that you need to create. The purpose of, of investing in company culture and doing activities company culture is all about connection. This was a big, big lesson for me because it was so much easier for me to create that culture, right, when I understood the definition. So in the beginning, I tried to, in the remote environment, create those big Zoom parties. You know, everybody has to bring a drink, right? It could be coffee because we don't promote alcoholism, or maybe I do a little bit, but don't want to sound like I am. So I would tried to create these big Zoom parties. And it worked for three, four times. Everybody thought it was cool. And then after that, my director of recruitment is like saying, yeah, you know, it's just you, your RVP and our director of marketing talking and everybody nodding, smiling. It's not working. So I discovered very quickly that one-on-ones 
we actually plugged in an uh, app in Slack called Donut, the randomized meetings, right? Randomized meetings with everybody. And those one-on-ones that I have consistently with my management and randomly with every employee in the company, I've created such deeper connection Right. And maybe one day we'll have, I mean, we, we're starting to have such distributed team. It's so hard to make a physical party, but I, I should do that. But it will never be as good as me hanging out with people one-on-one for 15 minutes. And because I understood the goal, because I set a goal of connection, I was able to create better solution for a better culture. So those are two highlights that, that I can offer. I mean, we only have a limited time. <laughs> no, I, I really like that. I think that's one of the things that people lose sight of, especially as you get higher up is, you know, recognizing that, you know, you got to treat, I mean, it's kind of a baseline treat everybody with respect, but actually recognizing like not undervaluing what they can bring to the company, because if you undervalue what they can bring, they're going to cause problems. And I think people don't always, they always think of the lost upside. They don't think of the downside. And then I really like how you use technology, the app, Slack app donut to make sure that you're, you're creating those connections. And uh, another thing I really learned is, you looked at an iterative model. You're like, yes, let's try this. This is not working. Let's do something else. And so I think as we go into 2022 and remote work changes, life changes, like who knows what's next, um, really being adaptive and agile to what those needs and what those changes are, are, are going to be critically important. So uh, Sharon, where can uh, people get a hold of you? Where can people get your book? Where can they learn more about your your work and your company and what you're, uh, what you're doing in the world of remote work? So you can uh, find my book, Surviving Remote Work, in Amazon, very accessible, both in Canada and the United States, probably around the world, but I know at least uh, most of my readers are American and Canadians. You can, if you're looking for the most amazing, at least in my mind, I hope I'm not delusional about it, but pretty awesome people from all over the world, developers and programmers and IT specialists, we really do an amazing job finding some people who are not just amazing in the hard skills, they're also a culture fit for you and, and an incredibly value because we do find them in countries where the cost of living is much lower. If you want to learn in general about remote, man- remote management and remote work, just come to thinkremote.com. We are an incredible publication, a very authoritative publication about this topic. So just there's nothing to, I'm not selling anything there. Just read, learn, be part of the community, see how remote is exciting. And if you have any questions, just email me, Sharon. It's about like Sharon, but try to call me Sharon, S-H-A-R-O-N at distantjob.com. I'm, ha- I'm there to answer any question for anybody who needs. Awesome. Thank you, Sharon. And one of the things, you know, I will plug you. I've got no problem doing that. But, you know, as you as a manager, as you look to fill your, your talent gap and fill your needs, more and more companies are going to be more and more comfortable uh, looking at distributed workforces. So whether it's a competitive advantage or it's just table stakes for you, um, I think that there's a huge, personally, I think that there's a huge opportunity from being able to recruit people from different places, not only for culture, but for skills and diversity of people people and thought. And in my experience, it makes teams better versus having a homogenous um, kind of team. So do connect with Sharon. So thank you, Sharon Koifman, president of Distant Job. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. And just thanks for the time today. Thank you, Anthony. It was a real pleasure. Awesome. And thank you for listening, everyone. My name is Anthony Taylor. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Thanks for listening. And until next time. 
Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Before you go, I wanted to make sure that you knew about our signature course that'll help you better align your team and get them bought into your strategic plan. It's presented really simply that whether you're a seasoned veteran or brand new to strategic planning, it'll help you better understand it, it'll help your team think more strategically, and it'll help you better prioritize and set goals. Ultimately, it's going to give you a plan that you can execute successfully. Because you have no idea how many plans that I see that look good, but are missing key components to make them successful, and we cover all of those missteps in the course. On top of all the video training, you'll get access to all of our workbooks and access to our knowledge base and community. The course is only $4.95, and you can get instant access to all of the videos, plus you can use the code PODCAST for $100 off. The course comes with a 100% money-back guarantee. If you don't get value from the course, let us know, and we'll give you all of your money back. So go to smestrategy.net slash course. Use the code podcast for $100 off, and I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to support you and your team in getting alignment and moving your strategic plan forward. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.